I feel a bit of a fraud saying I come from France because I really come from Essex. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, we're going to read the Word of God. Um, Amel's going to read the passage for today. Let's, let me just pray before we just read that and uh, ask God to help us. Lord, I want to pray that you will help us in your Word today. Thank you. It's your Word, Lord. Thank you for the power of your Word, Lord. And I want to pray that you'll speak to us today. Pray you'll help me express what you put on my heart about this passage, but I pray you'll help each of us hear you, Lord, and I pray the power of your Spirit will just continue with us in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. By the way, it's lovely to be here. The presence of God is awesome, and um, you know, it's just really encouraging. It's been lovely to worship with you so far, so wait and see what God is going to do the rest of the day. So that's good. So Act act 4. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, your our father David, why do the nation rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the, ruler, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what you what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of these possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all 34, that there were no needy persons among them. Thank you. Thank you. You keep that one. Okay, Emma will come up in a minute and uh, share one or two other things, yeah? So I'm just going to, um, I'm, I'm more used actually to preaching in French than in English. So if I break out into a language you don't understand, wave your arms at me. And uh, preaching in a language which is not your own can lead to some interesting moments. Uh, for example, uh, one time, and I don't know why I was trying to say it, I was trying to say in French that... I arrived at my grandmother's house and that the house was full of sound. My grandmother was a bit deaf and she used to whack the telly up as loud as possible. And um, anyway, in French, the, sa- the word for sound is son and the word for blood is sang. <laughs> and you can probably guess the mistake I made. As I said in French, unwittingly, my grandmother's house was full of blood. 
I could see the shocked faces <laughs> on at least half of the congregation, and I realized I'd made a dreadful mistake. Another time, and I have no idea why I tried to say this, but for some inexplicable reason, I was sharing a few little-known facts, and one little-known fact is that the brain of an ostrich is smaller than its eye. Uh, in French, the, uh, the word for ostrich is autruche, uh, and the French for Austria is autriche. <laughs> so what I managed to communicate is that the brain of an Australian is smaller than his eye. <laughs> Thankfully, there are only 20 people present and no Austrians. So if you're here today from Austria, I do apologize. If you're an ostrich, that's too bad because it's the truth. But anyway, so I'm not going to go, I'm going to go easy on the anecdotes today in case I get myself into trouble. I'm going to let Amel share the anecdotes and that should uh, go better. But um, uh, this passage today, I felt God laid this uh, passage on my heart earlier in the week and um, I'm not going to be overly complicated about it, but I just want us to take some basic uh, truths and points out of this passage together this morning. And I think the first and most obvious point uh, that I saw in this passage was that churches need to pray. Okay, it's, not, it's pretty basic, isn't it? It's the most obvious point that we could take from the passage. When you read this, you read the believers came together, they raised their voices, and God responded by enabling them to speak the word of God boldly and, to, and he poured out his Holy Spirit on them. And it's an obvious point, but um, you would have thought that the point that Christians need to pray and churches need to pray would be absolutely basic and self-evident for every Christian. But I don't know what your church prayer meetings are like. They're probably great. But I know most churches I've been in, uh, the, the attendance at church prayer meetings is not always the best. Uh, even in Montpellier, where we really, really push people to be there, we might have 100 people there on a, on a Sunday, but there's 25 in the prayer meeting. You think, where are they all? Where are they? It's an obvious thing from this passage, I think, that as a church, we're called to pray corporately, and we need to gather together uh, to pray. I'm not here uh, to, to today saying, speaking mainly on prayer, but I'm not here to say, well, I know how to pray, and you don't, or uh, my church is wonderful in prayer and yours isn't. Because to be honest, uh, it's an area where I feel I need to pray more. I know my church needs to pray more. And uh, I'm not here uh, setting myself up above anybody. But we do need to pray. We do need to pray. Prayer expresses our dependency on God and our need for God. And we need God. Um, it's quite interesting looking at this passage that the church shared news. I don't know whether you've noticed, but church prayer meetings tend to be a moment when people share news. I usually try to keep the really juicy news for the prayer meeting to try and motivate people to be there, uh, which is a bit sneaky. But anyway, it's, um, but in this passage, the, the, the Peter and John, who've just been threatened and just been told you must stop preaching about Jesus, they come and they share news with, as it says in the passage, their people. And uh, there is a sharing of news, there's a sharing, because we're a body of people, we're a, we're a family, we're not, we're not just a club, we're a, we're a community, and, and uh, uh, we belong to one another. And there's a sharing of news, and then they really pray. And uh, how, exactly how they prayed in this passage, it doesn't really say. It says they raised their voices together, and you wonder how they did that when it says they all said, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Perhaps they 
sung it as a song, or perhaps they all said it at the same time, or perhaps really it's just a paraphrase of what happened, and certain people led out and prayed these scriptures to God, and they all joined with them and all prayed together. Um, prayer has been, although I've never prayed enough, but it has been a source of strength in our life. And I wanted Mel just to come and share something that happened between us as a couple. I mean, we, we, one thing that's always been a feature of our uh, relationship is that we have always prayed together. Even before we were going out, we got into the habit of praying together. And it's always been a great source of strength in our marriage. And I just want Mel to share something that happened. Isabel. And, yeah. um, it was, uh, I think it was one, one Sunday afternoon or, no, Saturday evening. And we, um, we felt a bit heavy, to be honest. And uh, we were just, uh, we had one or two issues that we were talking through. And both of us felt a bit heavy. And suddenly, I perhaps had the common sense to say, Stuart, why don't we pray prayer? <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? You, you know, the, we could have all sorts of things and we leave prayer as the, as the last thing. So we, um, uh, reluctantly maybe, you, you weren't really up for it. No, I wasn't. But, uh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's not always me who stirs things up. Sometimes it's him, sometimes it's me. And, and it doesn't matter. And we started praying, and honestly, there was like, the power of God came on him, and he burst out into praying in tongues like I've never heard. We've been married about 26 years, like never before. And we didn't know what it was about, but anyway, we met with God. It was incredible. The following morning, the meeting starts um, at 10.30 as usual, worship, and then this young woman, uh, young married woman, comes to the front, and says, I've got a word to bring. And the word was about, uh, she felt like the Holy Spirit was going to come like lightning, and that, um, you know, it was going to do something. So I'm, I can't remember the details. And uh, so Audrey says this, and whereupon this woman started screaming her head off, and uh, just yelling on top of her voice. And it needed three or four guys to move her out of the room to another one. Um, and they started praying for her, and we could hear from a distance. We tried to sort of stop the hoo-ha and, and focus on Jesus, of course, whilst uh, the, some of the guys and maybe one woman went out to pray for her. And it was just an incredible, incredible moment. At the end of it, she said, um, I feel like I've just been through the washing machine. Of course, they, Stuart made sure that she gave her life to the Lord. She wasn't a Christian, so she gave her life to the Lord and was delivered. Um, and uh, then we thought, wait and see, because sometimes people come like this. And, but she came every Sunday from then on. Um, few, about a couple of months later, she, uh, she couldn't wait to be baptized. So we, we held a, a day out in, um, by the sea in a venue we, we are familiar with and baptized her. And on the way, we, we had uh, the person who was coming to speak was in the car with us. And uh, my phone rang. I work as an estate agent. And I thought, oh, I shouldn't really answer this. This is a day where we're going to be doing spiritual things. But somehow I, I picked it up. And it was her partner ringing me saying, do you think I could have lunch? with? I'm coming and I'm bringing her daughter. Do you think I could come? So to cut the story short, yes, of course, you can come, etc., etc. And the guy was just touched so powerfully he couldn't stop, you know, from then on, he started coming to church. And um, 
um, and he came to see us and said, this is just amazing. I want what my partner's got. And Stuart said, these are the challenges. Go home and think about it. So he came back to see us two weeks later and he said, this is what I really want. And so we prayed with him together. And uh, then we thought, why not pray for him to be baptized in spirit? We were doubled up, just rolling on the floor with laughter. He started speaking. He said, I'm talking like, like a baby, kind of thing. And uh, he, was bapti- he was baptized in spirit. And now they even decided to get married. They're doing the academy together. God spoke to them. They searched the scriptures. They realized they need to get married. And they've asked us to prepare them for marriage. So, so um, next time your wife says, shall we pray? It's a good arm. It's good to obey <laughs> and submit and pray. So, um, yeah, we need to pray. And um, things happen when we pray. And God surprises us sometimes with our prayers. Um, the second thing I want to take from this passage this morning is uh, the church needs to pray. And I want us to look a little bit more at how they prayed. And I think the first thing they did is that they focused on God. Um, they addressed God as sovereign Lord. Um, they understood that God is the God of history. Uh, he's in charge of everything and he's capable to act. They then describe him as creator. They talk about the one who made the earth, the sky and the sea and everything in it. And they then quote Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 is a psalm that is a coronation psalm. It talks about God's anointed king. And uh, they understand that this psalm speaks about Jesus and that Jesus is king. Jesus is King Jesus and he is God's anointed one. So they have this big view of God as they come to pray. And that's a help for us when we pray, to know that we really do come to the one who is the creator of everything, who is sovereign and who is in charge of history, and we come to King Jesus, who rules and reigns. And um, uh, it's important that we know that, and um, that Jesus, who is, uh, according to Ephesians, is uh, raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. That's Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 20 to 22. And uh, God has placed uh, all things under Jesus' feet. And he is head over everything. And I like the little word that comes after that. It says, for the church. Jesus is above everything, is in charge of everything for the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So they had this vision of God, this powerful, uh, this understanding of God's power and sovereignty and of King Jesus. And we need that when we pray. We are not just talking into the air. We are really coming to the one who has the power to respond and answer our prayers. Another thing I'd like us to note from uh, the way they prayed is that they used scripture when they prayed. They quote Psalm 2 and um, they quote it back to God. In Psalm 2, uh, in the old uh, days back when they wrote the Psalms, um, when a king changed or there was a change of ruler, it was often a time when 
peoples would rebel or subordinate kings would um, uh, sort of try and push their power forward and, and would conspire against the new king. And Psalm 2 starts, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers uh, band together against the Lord and against his anointed. And uh, they, they, they quote this psalm back to God and they, they use this psalm uh, and they understand this psalm as relevant to their specific circumstances. They understand it relevant to Jesus, uh, the fact that Jesus was um, put to death by the authorities and the powers in Jerusalem. Uh, but they also take this uh, psalm and apply it to their specific circumstances. The context of this passage is that uh, Peter and John have just been told that they can no longer speak about Jesus. They've created a great stir in Jerusalem. They healed a lame man who'd been lame for more than 40 years, and everybody was astounded, and many people turned to Christ. And uh, the Jewish uh, rulers were jealous and uh, anxious and afraid of what they were doing, and they told them to stop speaking in Jesus' name. And uh, they said, well, we judge for yourselves whether we obey you or whether we should obey God. And uh, they're going to carry on speaking about, about him. But this circumstance that the early church finds itself in, they're being threatened by the, the rulers and the powers, and, and uh, uh, there's difficulty. But they understand this psalm too as relevant to their uh, particular um, context. They understand that it's got God speaking to them through the scripture for their specific circumstance. And God does that sometimes. And uh, I wonder whether as a church you've got specific uh, verses of scripture or specific things that God has said to you that you know are relevant for your specific circumstances. God's put them in your heart or perhaps for your own life. You've got certain verses of the Bible that God has spoken into your heart and you need to hold on to those and you need to turn those verses back into prayer to God. Um, I had um, uh, the unfortunate situation of somebody emailed me to say they were leaving the church a few weeks ago and uh, I was a bit upset about it because I thought I knew these people, I thought these people liked me, I thought I like, I like them, <laughs> I got nothing in my heart against them, but they sent me this great long email with things that are wrong in the church and bad decisions that have been made and everything like that, so it, it happens in France, and, uh, and, um, and I was a bit upset about it, and I opened my verse, I'm, I'm actually working in England that particular week, and I saw the email late one night, and uh, I was on a train early the following morning to London, to a meeting in London, and I was reading 2 Chronicles 15, and I read a verse, and it says, but as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. And I say, thank you, Lord. You know, God gives us promises sometimes and speaks right into our hearts, and we need to take those. I take that verse now and say, okay, Lord, I do feel like giving up, but you've said my work will be rewarded. Help me to be strong. And sometimes we need to turn those promises and those verses that God has given us back to him in prayer. So perhaps you have those verses. Perhaps even you have something from many years ago that God put in your heart or promised over your life. Get hold of it again. Turn it into prayer. Pray it back to God. Another thing I want to say about prayer from this passage is that um, there is a mystery in prayer. Um, and I think these early Christians understood it. Um, they speak in um, verses um, uh, 27 and 28. They say, 
Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And I think they understood a mystery in the Bible. They understood that it was Pontius Pilate and Herod and the Gentiles and the Israelite people who'd conspired and put Jesus to death. But they also understood that that was the power and the plan and the will of God beforehand. And sometimes this can tie us in knots because we think God knows everything. God has planned everything. You know, what's the point praying? In fact, what's the point doing anything at all in my Christian life? Why don't I stay in bed on Sunday morning? You know, if God's planned it all and God has got it all in hand, why do I need to pray? Why do I need to make any effort in my Christian life? But also the Bible tells us that we are to preach the gospel, tells us that we're to pray for the sick. The Bible tells us that we are to pray. The, the Bible tells us that we are to labor for God. Uh, the, the Bible tells us that we're clearly responsible for our own sin and our own wrongdoing, and we have to give account for our lives to God uh, when we see him face to face. And there is this balance in the Bible between human uh, will and human responsibility but also God's sovereignty and God planning it. And these early believers understood these two things. And sometimes you can get very philosophical and intellectual, especially if you're French and you study philosophy for A-level equivalent at school. Uh, you, um, you can get into great complexities as, well, it's got to be one thing or the other. But as so often with the Bible, we have to hold truth in balance. We sometimes have to hold one truth and another truth. And if we don't see exactly how those true things work together, we have to say, well, God, you're big. You're greater than me. You're able to make those things work together. You're able to know how that functions. You're greater than me. And these Christians understood that. And there are mysteries in prayer. And there are things, I think, if God had said it all out absolutely clearly in the Bible, there would be uh, no great joy in searching the word of God. Uh, God would be so easily understandable that there would be no mystery in it and it would take much of the joy and the wonder out of our relationship with him. God in his wisdom has revealed certain things to us but there are certain things we don't know quite how they work together but we have to trust God and believe those truths. And uh, sometimes in prayer there are mysteries in prayer. There are times when God answers prayer, bang, like that, like the example we just gave you. Uh, but it's not always like that with my prayers. And I expect it's not always like that with your prayers. Sometimes we wait a long time for an answer. We don't understand why God answers one or God answers another. So I was just going to get Amel just to share a few more answers to prayer or non-answers to prayer and uh, fill us in a bit on that. Okay. Um, so this is a story. There's a, a young woman who's about... Uh, who's now 26 in our, in our, in our setting. Um, Steffi was diagnosed with bone cancer uh, when she was a, an early teenager, so like 14 years old. And um, obviously, hospital, hospital appointments, chemotherapy, etc., etc. And um, I'm, I'm pleased to say that this girl was healed. But one thing I retained from a lovely family in our church uh, Jackie, her mum, once went to 
see how the doctors said, actually, the blood levels. I don't, I'm not a medic, so I don't understand how it works. But basically, it was bad. It was deteriorating rather than getting better. Uh, but that woman, very determined, wonderful Christian lady, was uh, one day walking to the hospital ward, and there was something about her, an aura about her. She was walking in a straight line, and there were doctors, nurses on the side, and they thought something about this woman. So people shifted to the side as she was making a beeline towards the room where her daughter was to pray for her. And from then on, and she prayed, and from then on, actually, the blood levels changed, and the girl is healed. Now, the same family have friends who had, I think it was a daughter, who had cancer, and they were very, very kind in spending hours praying, just the same way for that family. Sadly, the girl died. Uh, and, and even more sadly, a few years later, the brother had a different cancer and died as well. So, it's, uh, you know, God is, we don't understand, but God is God. We had um, about three, four years ago, I think, a woman, early 60s, had cancer before, uh, breast cancer, and this time, uh, around about uh, October time, she, she says, I need to talk to you, but it's difficult to get to you, but can I just talk to you here and now? And she says, I've got cancer again. She was very negative, and she said, this time I don't want to fight anymore. I really want to give up. I've had enough of going through all the treatments, etc. So Stuart and I very simply prayed for her and left it. Um, and then two, three weeks later, she, uh, I talked to her and said, how are you doing? And she says, I've had enough. I, I really don't want... And I, there's a kind of anger welling up inside me. And I looked at her and said, God's got more for you than you have. And I, I spoke to her. like I was rude, actually. I said, no. You, no. And, and I didn't even pray. But lo and behold, a few weeks later, she goes back to the doctor and he said, I don't understand what happened. There was no drills and now there's absolutely nothing. Wow. So there's wow. no need for treatment. Wow. So, um, well. Wow. <laughs> this woman had an experience some years ago. Of also, she had, that was the third time she'd been diagnosed with potential cancer. And, and, and I think the second time, she, she had got healed, but she'd never seen the, the photographs of it, basically. But this time, when she went back, they, they said, come in and have a look. And he said, look, this is what it was before, and this is what it is now. And, and he said, you know, the things that we were worried about on there, they, they, they've gone. And so, um, but God, there is a mystery in these things. You know, I've prayed for loads of people and got healed. Uh, but, you know, occasionally you pray for somebody and they do get healed. And... Um, there is a mystery when we come to pray, but God is sovereign and we must keep on pressing on and we must keep on uh, believing. And uh, I think another point I'd like to just draw out of this passage before we uh, close and uh, we're going to pray together uh, before we finish. But um, uh, I think it's important that we pray according to God's will and that we pray the big things that God wants us to pray. I mean, it's interesting to look at what the believers in the Bible actually prayed, and sometimes to compare them with the way we pray these days. I realize I'm using two microphones here. That's clever, isn't it? <laughs> trying, to, trying to keep my wife off the stage, aren't I? <laughs> no. Um, 
So here they pray. Firstly, they, 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 they have an understanding in this situation that God's glory is at stake. And they say, they kind of come to God and say, have you heard what they've said? Have you heard what these people say? Do something about it, you know. You know, get out of your throne, God, and go and beat them up and so, do something. And they, they, they have a zeal for God's glory. And, and we need to have a passion for God's glory and that his name should not be trampled in the mud, but that he should be honoured and glorified because he's worthy of that. And uh, they then prayed also for God to give them boldness to speak and courage to speak out. And they prayed that God would stretch out his hand and heal and perform signs and wonders. And in a sense, they were praying the way Jesus taught them to pray, because Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. You know, may your name be glorified. May your name be great. Your kingdom come. And they were praying, God, stretch out your hand for the sick to be healed and uh, for your glory to be seen. And um, we recently, in our church, did a pastoral training session uh, we'd never done one of those before, but we finally got around to doing one. And uh, one of the things we did in there was we looked at Paul's apostolic prayers for Christians. So there are two prayers in Ephesians. Uh, there's one in Colossians and there's another one, I think, in Philippians. And um, it's quite interesting to see how Paul prays for Christians. For example, in Ephesians chapter 1, just before the passage I read earlier, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy pe people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And then in chapter 3 of Ephesians, he also says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I go to, I pray with Christians, I pray in prayer meetings, you hear people praying for their sicknesses, you hear people praying for their jobs, you hear people praying for their financial needs, that's all great, and that's all fine, but do we pray these things for one another? Do we pray, Lord, I pray, I pray for Steve, that he may know the height, the breadth, the depth, the length, the wonder of, of God's love for him. Do we pray that sort of thing for one another? Paul was praying that. Okay, he was praying for churches, he was praying for groups of Christians, but I think sometimes we need to look at what people actually prayed in the Bible, and we need to pray according to God's will. I'm sure it was God's will that he wanted these Christians to grow in their spiritual understanding and to grow in the knowledge of the love of God. And it's good to pray such things for one another. And maybe we don't often pray that way. Um, you know, God's capacity to answer prayer has not changed in 2,000 years. And I, th I think, you know, we see these Christians and they're calling out to God. The building is shaken the Holy Spirit comes down on them. Well, has the Holy Spirit changed? Has God changed? Are we in a different relationship with God as they were? No, we're in the same relationship with God through Christ. Uh, are we uh, any uh, more um, 
are we any less worthy than they are to be heard by God? The answer is no, because they were justified by what Jesus did for them on the cross. They were saved not because they were great people, but because Jesus died for them and gave himself for them. And so are we, and we have access to that great God as well. So let's, you know, let's, uh, God's capacity to answer prayer has not uh, changed at all. And um, I think we must, um, there's, um, there's a passage in, um, there's a passage in uh, Revelation chapter 8, which talks about angels, and it's, and it's talking about the prayers of God's people, and it's, it's like the picture is of uh, an angel who is ministering before God. I mean, the Bible says angels are ministering spirits uh, to uh, serve believers, and that's what it says in Hebrews. But anyway, this angel is ministering before God, and he's offering incense on an altar to God, and he's given a lot of incense, and it says that he offers the incense and the prayers of the saints to God, and the prayers of the saints go up to God. And then he takes a great bowl of fire and throws it down on the earth, and then it all gets a bit grim and difficult to understand, and I'm not going into all of that. But, 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 but I think that the thing that struck me about that passage is that actually he was adding incense to your prayers. When you pray, you get added incense. You know, the angels are adding to that, and that's going up as an offering to God, and God will respond to our prayers. I don't know whether you've ever read about um, the Hebridean revival, um, which took place in 1949. I think it's the last time there was a real uh, powerful revival that saw men and women miraculously converted to God. And um, I mean, it's not that God has been doing nothing in this nation since then, but it's the last time that perhaps such a thing was seen in the UK. And um, that revival started with... Um, two women, I think by the name of Smith, one of whom was blind and elderly, and they were praying and crying out to God for revival. And there was a group of, I think, seven young men who met regularly to pray. And uh, one day God just came in on them and moved them, and people were saved. And churches that were empty, I think they, 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 they had a meeting in a church and nothing happened, and they just closed the meeting uh, at midnight or something, and then suddenly several hundred people turned up to church at midnight. You know, people just came because they felt compelled by God to come to this meeting, and people who'd been, you know, people who were far away from God turned to him and just felt convicted of their sins. There's stories of fishermen who were out at sea, and uh, suddenly they felt an overwhelming sense of their sinfulness, their need of God, and were converted, you know, even without hearing the gospel. And so um, God can move powerfully. God has moved powerfully in this nation in centuries past. Um, God's moved powerfully in France in centuries past, the area where we live. There was a time in the um, 18th century when there were moments of revival and many people turned to Christ. And uh, God has not changed. God is able to do that in our day. And I think I'd really like us to pray. I think we mustn't give up believing that one day God could change everything. You know, we could be leaving here and half of Crawley's coming to try and get in the church afterwards. God can do such things and we must have faith and we must keep knocking on his door, keep seeking him that he responds to our prayers because he's a God who answers prayer and answers it powerfully. So I'd like us to pray. I don't know whether we could, um, and I'd love to pray with you. I don't know whether perhaps some of those that are back could come forward and we could just come 
uh, forward. I feel God gave me something a little bit prophetically for you. I'm not sure how that's going to go, but we'll try it. And uh, if you could come forward a little bit, and then it would just be great just to... Um, just, I'd just like to prophesy of you, and then perhaps we can pray, perhaps pray for one another, uh, or I'll pray for some of you if you've got specific needs. Yeah? So do come forward a little bit, and let's, let's stand up to pray, and let's, uh, let's just be open to God. Yeah. I just, um, I just felt earlier when we were in the prayer meeting, before this meeting, I just felt God stirring something in me, and I, I feel, I'm, I, I don't know, I just felt that God was saying that there's going to be, or there is, a coming together of the Word and the Spirit in this church, that God wants to bring the Word and the Spirit. Sometimes we can have people who are really up for the Spirit and others who are really up for the Word, but we need the Word and the Spirit together, and God is bringing the Word and the Spirit together in this church. I felt also God is bringing together the generations in this church. You know, God is bringing together the generations, the young and the old. We need one another in the body of Christ. We need the young, we need the old, we are family. And I felt also God is saying he's bringing together the nations in this church. You know, that we are one new nation, one new race in Christ Jesus, and this church will express that. And I feel these are things that God has given you as a church. These are things that are going to characterize the next season uh, of this church. And God is going to do these things amongst you. I feel God really wants to be there to be a bringing together and a, a unifying and a coming together in this church. I really feel God's going to do that. God's putting his grace on you to do that for the glory of his name and for this, 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 this town of Crawley. I just really feel... God wants that for this coming season. So I'd just like to pray for you, and then perhaps we, perhaps we can all raise our voices in prayer. Let's pray for this church. Let's pray for the town of Crawley. Let's all just raise our voices in prayer together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this church, Lord. 